Hello comrades and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Spectre. I'm delighted to kick off 2023 with a very special guest from the Morning Star, Roger McKenzie. Roger, it's a pleasure to have you here today. No, pleasure's mine. Pleasure really is mine. Great. Uh, so if I can just start, Roger, just a wee introduction from yourself. You know, who are you, uh, your affiliations, uh, stuff like that? Okay. Well, my biggest affiliation is Aston Villa Football Club, who are completely hopeless at the moment. But that's been the same for the oh, 40 years or something that I've, <laughs> well, 50 years, actually, that I've supported them. Um, now, I was born and brought up in Walsall in the Black Country. Um, I'm the son of um, immigrants from Jamaica, um, both my mum and my dad um, from Jamaica. Um, dad was a railway worker, a member of the National Union of Railwaymen um, for 30 years, for his whole time um, on the railways. Mom um, looked after us, which was the hardest job of all, but also did jobs in factories and cleaning jobs as well. And she was a a union rep in local government branch. Um, I won't mention the union because it wasn't the union that I was in at the time. I'm not going to give them any publicity, basically. Um, but um, so we, we're, we're from a labour movementy background, trade unions. I remember the first day um, that I was going out to work and um, beforehand, Dad took me into um, the front room, which was the special room that you were never allowed to go into unless somebody important like the the, the priest or um, a counsellor or somebody came round. Um, and I was told, join a union. Um, and more than that, um, they said, don't just join a union, get involved. Don't just expect other people to do this stuff for you. So it was stuff that was drilled into us. Uh, from from day one, basically, I was um, a member of the the Labour Party for forty one years. Um, I left last year and joined the Communist Party. Um, and um, frankly, I wish I'd done it sooner because I feel liberated to be able to say and do the things that um, that I want to say. And my politics are much closer and always have been closer to the Communist Party anyway. I um, have worked mainly um, as a trade union um, officer. But when I left school, I was a building worker. Um, I did, when I, I was a painter and decorator as well. Um, went on my first strike as a painter and decorator, which I did on my own, where the the boss tried to um, to fiddle me out of what he said he was going to pay me, and I wouldn't accept it. And he told basically told me that I was sacked and I said you can't sack me because I'm a trade unionist um, and I'm on strike so I made my own little wooden well not wooden cardboard banner um, which I stood outside um, this painting and decorating firm in Warsaw held it up and um, picket line um, and I won that dispute on my own because um, people wouldn't cross the picket line or the supplies wouldn't cross the picket line and people ran out of paint and paper um, and they paid me off um, to to go away, basically. And I was delighted to go away because they were racist. After that, I worked in local government for a while um, in Walsall. And then I went to teach trade union education courses for shop stewards. Um, very active in NUPI, um, National Union of Public Employees, um, which gave me my training as a shop steward. 
Um, I went to teach union courses in Manchester and then in London at Tottenham College um, before becoming uh, a national education officer for one of the civil service unions at the time, one of the forerunners of PCS, um, the National Union of Civil and Public Servants. And, and through negotiating jobs, eventually went to work for the TUC as their race equality officer, always been an anti-racist campaigner, worked for the TUC, involved in the Stephen Lawrence task force that they set up, um, eventually went on to be the Midland secretary of the TUC, where I was involved in um, the um, trying to organise the union response to the closure of MG Rover at Longbridge when 6,000 jobs were cut overnight and 18,000 other jobs were um, impacted in the supply chain. Eventually went to work for Unison as their um, regional secretary for the West Midlands, um, did that for about a year and then was... Um, promoted to Assistant General Secretary of Unison, which I did for 11, 12 years, something like that, um, and um, and started at the Morning Star. Um, I left Unison a year and a half ago, I guess, um, and uh, went to work for the Morning Star actually a year ago this week um, as the parliamentary um, reporter and in October of last year, um, became the international editor um, of the Morning Star. So that's my potted history. But don't worry, Conrad, they won't slag you too much about Villa. We can't all be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a, a great introduction, like you said, it's great to hear. I love hearing stories of, of folk joining the, the party and everything, and you know, their history, especially you know, through the, the broad left labour movement. It's always great to hear. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, moving on to our next point then is, you know, what is the Morning Star and most importantly, where can people get it? Well, the Morning Star is the only English language daily socialist newspaper, printed newspaper in the world, um, which I, I think is something for us all to be really proud of on the paper. Um, there isn't anything like us anywhere else for lots of reasons, which I'll come on to um, in a minute. Um, where you can get it um, well anybody wants to get it you can get it delivered to to your door if you want if you look in the paper the the details of how to to do that are in there um, but there is a way of getting it delivered it's in um, most railway stations you can order it from your news agents you can pick it up yourself from your news agents or you can um, uh, subscribe online and get it straight to your um, to your iPad or your phone or whatever you read stuff on these days. What what I, what I would say about what it is, is that maybe it's easier to say what it's not. And what it's not is um, it's not in the hands of wealthy proprietors. Um, the Morningstar is owned um, by its readers. I think that's massively important. Um, we're not beholden to some murdoch-like person who's going to decide um this is what you will put in the paper this is what your headline is um we write for peace and socialism um that's right at the masthead of our paper um that's what we're about um our editorial line is the british road for socialism 
um, the policy agenda of the Communist Party of Britain. Um, and one of the great things for me about the paper, and I've been I've been a reader since the early 1980s, um, is is that it gives a voice to people who would not ordinarily get a voice. So we would start um, an, an article, regardless of which of the pages, whether it's the home pages, whether it's the international pages, culture pages, sports, whatever. We, we start from the position of activism. So we would start articles with saying things like, for example, protesters um, are organised a, a rally of something wherever outside of an embassy or activists condemn the government for not putting more money into providing people with the means to be able to heat their homes homes and to feed their children and we would start from that basis whereby um the the other national newspapers and it is really important to remember that that the morning star is a national daily newspaper the only days that we don't um come out is on a sunday and you know we 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 print we come out every other day though um and it's really important to to remember that we are there to give a voice to people who don't ordinarily have a voice um we are there to make sure people understand that peace and socialism the campaigns for peace and socialism aren't some abstract thing but actually they're going on every day and that people are organizing every day in their different ways sometimes they don't even know you know that it's uh it's actually socialism that they're on the you know they're, they're kind of working towards but they just have a feeling um that things aren't right the that whatever they're seeing in front of them whatever the tories are doing whatever labor might be doing or the smp or whoever um whatever they're doing they get they've just got a feeling our task is to give them the tools to be able to take that one step further and to give them um, the politics, but also to link them up with other activists and other campaigners, um, not just in this country, not just in England, Scotland or Wales or across the island of Ireland, but to link them up internationally um, with comrades who are doing similar things um, in whatever country. Um, and for us, that's the important thing that we do. The I don't, I don't think there's there's nobody else in this country certainly um, that does that on a daily basis, um, and there's very few other newspapers across the world actually, whether they're weekly or monthly newspapers um, that that do that. Similar ones are. Um, uh people's world in the states which is an online newspaper used to be the daily worker um, in the us um very very good newspaper very you know very good reporting well worth um subscribing to i, I would say to people um humanite i mean france is another really good one um and for people worried that they don't have french as a as a as a language and they're worried that they won't be able to to read it all um get one of those translate things um and you know you, you download it and it translates um, the newspaper for you um so things like that are really worth doing and that's how we start to link people up and i i, I just think that's one of the the key things that we always have to remember as socialists, we have to link people together because there's a lot of people out there, I think, who feel really isolated, 
who feel as though there's nobody else who are experiencing the same sort of things that that they are when in fact people are engaged in struggle all the time and in lots of places and one of the great things about the morning star is we're able to to link some of those people up yeah that's spot on i mean i can uh, definitely say you know i i didn't fully understand the the gravity and the importance of the morning star until i was actively involved within the the communist party of britain and the, the young communist league and you know like you says the it's it's really easy to get a hold of now especially in in, in our digital age uh we're having a, a a paper so conveniently on your phone and everything it makes it so much more accessible to to those who would struggle to get at their door or uh would face any other barriers in that regard as well as that obviously you talked about briefly there the stuff that goes internationally and that's something we're, we'll definitely come on to later and it's it's great to see those uh international news coverages that we wouldn't see and like you says with the, the murdoch style press and the the very various other tory rags uh that exist to just push out uh, anti-trade union rhetoric uh, and further aid class division so uh it's Ever, ever since I've been uh, introduced to the Morning Star, and it's 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 history. I've I've never once taken it for granted, uh, which I guess kind of brings us on uh, very swiftly uh, on to the next point, which is you know discussing the the history of the Morning Star. Uh, you know, it's fa- during its time, it's faced a lot of state suppression, uh, especially uh, after its formation. It really took off uh, years ago, being the workers' paper, uh, and that was something that the the, the British state feared, the, like you says, the workers having that voice. So it was just to see if you could give us a, a wee bit of history of the star and uh, so, uh, it's, it's travel through history. Well, it was the, the Daily Worker. It was set up by the Communist Party of Great Britain. Um, I should say as well that the Communist Party of Britain doesn't own or control the paper. As I said before, it's um, it's controlled by the readers, owned by the readers. Um but but we take our editorial line from the Communist Party, um, and I'm very proud of that. Um, so set up in 1930, and that date in itself should tell anybody listening to this about the circumstances in which the paper was born. Um, I'm not going to claim to be a historian of the of the Daily Worker um, or the Morning Star, but what I am is a is a labor historian generally and of course what what that was was the the real heightened tensions leading up to the start of the second world war but it was also following on from the impact of the first world war and also the fight to try and establish um the soviet union as well um and of course what that all meant actually on top of all of that of course um, was the burgeoning fight for equal rights for women and the um, burgeoning fight for the rights of black people in this country, because there certainly was a black community um, in the UK, but also the anti-colonialist, anti-imperialist fight as well. So that whole period is often, I think, um, overlooked in history. Um as you know, because people jump from the First World War straight, you know, quite often into into the Second World War, and it's it's really quite an interesting passage um, of time, really. So, in 1930, when the paper was set up, 
it had all of those elements around there. But key to all of that was the massive class struggle that was taking place. And remember, 1930, four years after the general strike that had taken place um, in the UK. So, you know, we, we'd gone through a period of mass industrial action, um, workers' power coming to the front where workers are starting to understand their power, um, betrayed, I believe, by... by um, uh, the TUC at the time, who failed to take advantage of the opportunities offered by um, the the general strike and called an end to it um, far too early, um, and um, and but but still a class a class consciousness there for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm not going to over egg the level of that class class consciousness, but I do think that when people have been engaged in struggle. Um, and and people um, remember the what the importance of the general strike was. Remember, this was about something that is, should be very familiar to people today. That people couldn't put bread on the table, couldn't heat their homes, couldn't you know afford their rents. You know, people were struggling to survive, very much like now. So the paper was born in that time as a way of combating the, um, as we talked about earlier on that, you know, the kind of uh, the interests of the rich and the interests of the ruling class um, portrayed through their newspapers, some of which, of course, went on to, to you know, to openly support um, the rise of Hitler and the rise of Mussolini. What the what the daily worker did at that time was to be the voice of workers, was to amplify what was ha happening um, in workplaces, was to amplify what was happening in communities up and down the country. Now, of course, those things were really difficult because no new newspaper just arrives and the ruling class newspapers are just going to accept that, yeah, yeah, come along and be competition for us and, you know, so that people can um, read your newspaper instead of ours, they will go out to try and crush you. They try and crush each other. So they're absolutely going to crush us out of their own class interests. And it's always riled them completely that we are still here after all of this time, even though during um, the 1930s, of course, they did um, ban the newspaper. Uh, and there was, a you know, in the, in the run-up to the war. Um, and the reason that they tried to do that was because, you know, there was a, well, I mean, it's anti-communist move, of course, uh, but it was also before um, the uh, the alliance developed between uh, the UK, France, you know, the, the allies and um, the Soviet Union. Um, and, and, and of course, they needed that to be able to, to win the war and more people died from the Soviet Union than anywhere else massively. Um, so, you know, literally the Soviet Union were giving, you know, who paid for the Second World War in their blood. I'm not saying anybody else didn't, but overwhelmingly the Soviet Union did. So during an 18-month period, um, I write about this uh, in an interview I did um, last year with um, Jeremy Corbyn, and people should go back and have a look at that because it was the anniversary, and there's an anniversary edition that we did about the banning. Um, and Jeremy really outlines this much better than, um, than, than I can. 
Um, but the key thing for me about all of this was the 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 move just because the paper was banned it, it was the, the paper never died so people found a way of producing a paper people found a way of producing working class news for working class people um to to have and it wasn't just about well the rich and the famous and about the royals and about you know mps and about how important all of them are and about how they know better than us and about how we really need to understand our place. It was about working people living working class lives, um, living extraordinary lives quite often. And that never went away. So we were still able to tell the news um, during that period. And every, you know, after the war, during the, the years after the war, through the 1940s, through the 1950s, um, 60s, you know, the the, the daily worker um, and, and until it became the um, the Morning Star in the 1970s, we were um, right at the forefront of making sure that the voice of working people was heard from that perspective that I tried to explain earlier on. We start from the perspective of our class. We start from the perspective of working people trying to um, bring about a fundamental and irreversible shift in society in favour of working class people. Um, and that's what we try and do. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on again. I mean, the, the history of the, the Daily Worker slash The Morning Star is, is really, really rich. And like you says, it's its birth came from that fire of a, a number of uh, capitalist crises uh, at the time. Can I, can, I, can I just add one one other thing as well, which was about um, this fight against imperialism um, and the, the 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 fight to support the the movement against colonialism, um, because of course nobody else was covering that, nobody, and certain certainly not from a sympathetic viewpoint. It would be, for example, with the the Mau Mau rebellion in Kenya um, in the nineteen fifties. Um, the the outlook of that would be these murderous Mau Mau and and all of that, which of course is a complete and utter lie, because uh, you know any any tra- any life any loss of life is tragic, but actually there was only a very small loss of UK settler lives, but there were thousands and thousands of um, Kenyans of Africans who who died at the hands of the British forces. And none of that was being reported except by the Morning Star who were covering um, you know, the anti-colonial movement who, who charted the rise of um, those movements when nobody else would, was even recognizing um, that they were around. You know the um, the movements to 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 free not just countries in in Africa but across the Caribbean. Now I'm not saying the coverage was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, because um, to my knowledge there weren't any black people working um, on the paper for a long long time. But what there was was there was a class understanding. Um, and there was an understanding about the role of women in the workplace. 
um and not just about being women who needed to stay home and you know that cozy image of women in the kitchen and all of this sort of stuff no you know women had a place in our movement and women had a place in wider society and the morning star was able to cover that and again it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination um and it and, and in fact on some occasions um you know some of our sisters would say that the coverage left a lot to be desired until maybe some women started more women started coming on the paper and writing about some of those things there was a women's editor for for some time um on the paper until those and but but what we were doing was at least covering those issues and I, I just think that's so vital nobody else was doing that nobody else was understanding that the liberation movements um that were coming through nobody was covering in the 1970s for example in the way that the the daily work and the star did the the movements um for black liberation and and things like angela davis um, the movement to free Angela Davis, who you can see just over my shoulder here, a picture of, um, you know, those movements w were only really covered by the Morning Star, um, by, by Daily Work and by the Morning Star. And I just think that is something to be really proud of for our paper. Um, that, um, yes, there were, um, there was a lot that we could, that the paper could have done better, but they, but there was at least a, re a, a recept receptiveness to at least cover those issues. I just think that's really important. Yeah, spot on comrade. I agree, especially in the, the receptiveness and the, the openness of the star. Like you says, if it was uh, pieces that were being produced that, uh, you know, uh, women would have their say in and disagree with and, uh, you know, they'd, they'd get involved with the paper, which I think is fantastic. You know, if I didn't like something that was in the sun, I'd, I, you know, you'd write an email saying that and then they'd just patch you off. <laughs> so you couldn't get anywhere in the, these, you know, rich conglomerate. Uh, newspapers that we see today uh, and like I said when it comes to uh, you know historical figures involved in the star like Angela Davis I always try to uh, relay it to uh, examples here in Scotland as well uh, going back to football uh, Jackie McNamara Sr when he used to play for, for Celtic at the time you know he was uh, a member of the CPGB uh, he was out in the street selling the Morning Star uh, in the Soviet Weekly as well uh, and his, his famous scruff uh, with uh, Jock Steen at the time uh, who, who hated McNamara because he was constantly trying to get his teammates to to read the Morning Star he was trying to unionise uh, folk at the club and, and Jock Steen and that hated him <laughs> And yeah, so you've got so many, you've got so many of these sort of figures involved with the star. It, it, it highlighted its uh, influence at the time, and you know the the sheer involvement from from so many people. And and like you says, it, it continued to grow and uh, involve people from different walks of life, folk in the in the BAME community. Uh, further involvement from women, uh, which is always great to see. And uh, even recently, you know the the recent uh, piece. Uh, and the star from the, the Young Commerce League's Women's Conference as well. So it's always great to see these pieces getting more and more involved with the star. And I guess moving on to our next point then is we're sort of talking about sort of international issues then. You know, the international coverage of the star, it's something that's, you know, really great. I love seeing, you know, uh, I, I don't want to always get my, my information of international issues off of Twitter uh, or other social media because we know that's never reliable. 
Uh, but the storm, you know, the folk are involved with it, uh, like yourself and the international departments, uh, do a really good job of, of highlighting, you know, the various struggles that are taking a, taking place across the globe, especially in Latin America, uh, which we're seeing right now uh, in Brazil. So it was just to get, see if you could give us some sort of like coverage in the, the international work that's been done within the star. Well, it's the, it's the, it's the same sort of principle that, that we adopt with the home pages, really, in terms of we try and foreground struggle um, and that struggle isn't um, always going to be defeated, that, that actually we, we win sometimes. But if you don't struggle, you'll always lose. So, I mean, for, for, for me, um, you know, writing most of the pages, really, of the, the international pages at the minute is, um, you know, you could get really, you could get into what, a lot of the national, the, the the mainstream, if you like, national newspapers do, which is they talk about war. Um, so like Ukraine, um, you wouldn't think there was another war taking place, by the way. There's 30 some odd plus other wars taking place across the world at the moment. But you wouldn't think so. You'd think the only thing is Ukraine because it's in the interests of the ruling class at the minute to push that because they want to create a unipolar world behind um, the United States, and they can't deal with this idea that there's more power around the world and the the increased role of China in particular. Um, and, um, and now with Lula, um, the importance of Brazil um, and those and that um, pink wave, as they call it in Latin America, really vital move. And what we're able to do is not not just talk about well here's another war and here's the latest you know kind of um here's the latest weaponry uh you know that they're using but actually i i i i can't speak for the people who went for me before and i i follow some really illustrious people who have carried who've written as you know been international editor and worked on the paper on the international pages i made a decision that what i want to write about is peace so my priority all the time is to try and find where are the peace campaigners in all of this who's who would be a good voice for peace in not just ukraine but in yemen or in you know, if there's a an, an attempt at a coup in as there was um, in Peru, you know, what are the people on the ground saying um, rather than just the top politicians? So I want to hear from them. You know, what, what's what's happening in Argentina where lawfare seems to be more of a thing now? They they well they they started it really with Brazil. Really was a way of because they can't win at elections. What the far right do is try and shift people by extra legal means so they concoct corruption stories and then um, use that to ban people from being able to run for elections so they did it with lula they've, they've done it um, across the board really um in latin america so the o overall aim of the paper is peace and socialism and that absolutely translates to the international pages um so so what we want to do is to try and find ways of linking people together. And one of the things that um, I'm working on just now, two things, really. One, um, a few weeks ago, I was in Sri Lanka um, with another organization, War on Want. Um, but I took the opportunity to meet some trade unionists out there and 
And what, what we're looking to do is to link trade, un trade unionists who work in the garment industry in Bangladesh, um, um, in Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, UK, United States, just linking people together. So it's part of that general philosophy that I was talking about, how you can get workers linked together, not through some bureaucracy, but how you can link workers together so that they're talking to each other themselves, and not, not through some um, filter. Um, so that's one of the things that we're looking at working at bringing the Sri Lankan trade unionists linking up with works in the UK and in other parts of the world. We're also looking at, um, I'm working with other comrades on um, developing uh, a media partnership with comrades in uh, Palestine. So there's some, you know, I mean, dead, last year is the deadliest year for Palestinians um, since um, people kept records. Um, and um, But what there is, is that there's a lot of resistance taking place and we've got the most far-right government now in the history um, of Israel. Um, but we also have a lot of resistance taking place and we want to foreground that resistance. And I think one, one of the ways that we're going to do that is by developing uh, a stronger partnership between the Morning Star um, and um, Palestinian journalists um, and, and I'm really looking to do the same in all in other parts of the world as well, so that rather than in the way that we get um, news down the wires, basically through Associated Press or whatever, or we get um, news um, information from I don't know, BBC or whatever, and we make a story that we can um, from um, from whatever they're putting out. What we what is far stronger, it seems to me, is if we're getting the word from people on the ground that we've got sufficient contacts on the ground there who are able to write those stories themselves or who are able to come on something like a Zoom with me and talk about um, well, what is actually happening um, on the ground. So um, another pa Palestinian gets killed rather than me just take that from um associated press or wherever i'm able to have that story directly from a palestinian journalist on the ground um, and for me that is that's gold dust uh, because it's that principle of people being able to talk for themselves without ha having to have somebody filter that for them um now i'm not going to pretend for one minute that i'm some impartial journalist I'm not, you know, I'm a communist um, and um, and I'm coming from my stories from that perspective. Um, and I also reject this notion that um, journalists anywhere are impartial. I just think that's absolute bullshit, frankly. I just don't, I just don't believe it. Um, so you'll talk to these people on the BBC or Sky or whatever, and they'll say, oh, we're impartial journalists and we look at things from both sides. We know that that is completely untrue. They're bringing their own class interests. They're bringing the schools that they went to, which is highly public school. You know, very white profession is journalism. Very few people with dreadlocks in, you know, who look like me. Very, very, very few indeed. You know, um, very public school, very... Um, ruling class background and they're trying to tell us that somehow they don't bring a their class perspective to this well they do and so we have to start from that recognition and 
we will bring that same class perspective to our work on the international pages as we do in the home pages um, as well. Um, and that's what we will do in terms of bringing this work to life. And um, when we build these um, links, we create these partnerships um, around the uh, around the world. Um, we did um, we did a, a a ten part was it ten part in the end nine or ten part series um, fairly recently on um, looking to the importance of developing a uni of a multipolar world rather than the U.S. unipolar world, um, and in particular. A piece that I wrote with the brilliant Vijay Prashad from Globetrotters was about um, the potential for reinvigorating um, the alliance uh, between nations um, from the from the third world um, that that used to be um, around. Um, the name of it's just completely gone out of my head for some reason. But anyway, it's a it's a um, an alliance of um, the the third world basically and we want to see that again where we can bring those people together now you don't just do that by accident that only happens if people actually start providing the means and providing the information providing the news that brings people together so in that nine or ten part thing that we did we had loads of different speakers um so myself and vj we had jeremy did an article we had people from South Africa, from India, um, from Latin America, all did pieces um, on their particular perspective. And I think that's what we have to to do again. The organisation I was I went out of my head was the non-aligned movement. Um, and um, But the importance of creating something like that, again, isn't just something you can just say, well, we're going to create the non-aligned movement again, or we're going to set up a thing where people can, you know, start shouting at each other and you know whatever but what what yeah you do that by building from the bottom and that's what we're that's what we're intending to do yeah that's fantastic Cormie. that's a great insight to a lot of the international work that goes on uh at the star especially behind the scenes uh especially like what you're saying about sort of like connecting uh, young activists trade unions and you know young socialists because i i agree that's really really important you only have to look as far uh, sort of here in europe uh, especially with the, the connections uh, with the World Federation of Democratic Youth, you know the the numerous amount of young communists and young uh, organisations that are involved there. Everybody wants to know what's going on uh, across the globe, but most importantly, they want to know what they can do to help and the the various struggles and the best way to do it. And part of that, where the the influence of the star and the, the work that gets done, is you know seeing the the true coverage of what's happened. You know, you made a a good example in reference to Palestine and you know quite recently we had uh, that young Palestinian uh, girl who was murdered by Israeli forces but the, the way that like you says the BBC portrayed it they portrayed it as just oh she died in Gaza they never gave any indication as to you know uh, the Israeli occupation being in the wrong uh, it was just a completely abstract uh, article compared to uh, like we say looking uh, at the current Russia-Ukraine conflict uh, if something happens with a, a Ukrainian citizen, we know that immediately it's going to be ran on Russia. It's not going to be any sort of uh, arbitrary uh, article uh, alluding to uh, any other form of speculation. It's going to follow, uh, you know, the state lines of, of blaming everything like that. So it's uh, always interesting to see, like you say, uh, how these uh, 
newspapers run themselves. Yeah, as we've sort of like touched on before, the Murdoch line, this is what you're going to write, this is it, don't stray from it. And, you know, that's that's pivotal uh, internationally as well because, you know, if, if, if you're only getting your, your information from state media and uh, other uh, bourgeois-run newspapers, you're only going to say their side of the story. Well, the thing is, Comrade, we're, we're in a... We're, I mean, it is a class war, right? I mean, there's no question about that at all. And if anybody wanted any... Um, was in any doubt about that, then the fact that of how they're really moving towards trying to even ban trade unions now um, should tell you everything that you need to know about this. So if you're in a class war, they're going to use, the other side, they're going to use all the um, weapons at their disposal, everything, including their propaganda machinery, which is what they've got, and they've perfected it. Um, and we need to make the best use of the um, the organs that we have and the morning star is critical to that and i have to say comrade to you and um, other comrades in the ycl um, we need to start getting more um, features from you all you know you all need to start writing you know and for the pages of the star you know don't just read the stuff write for it as well yeah absolutely like we like we said before involvement only only strengthens the star uh, and young people playing the part and ensuring you know its continued uh, growth and its livelihood will be be pivotal going forward. And I guess that you've seamlessly brought us on to the next point there, comrade, uh, talking about the importance of the Morning Star, uh, especially in, in in view of the you know the current class war that that wages on. Uh, so it's just to get your view on the the importance of the Morning Star and its role and you know uh, how it's always going to be something important used as an educational tool and an agitational tool uh, in our continued struggle? Well, one, one of the things that um, I've done for most of my work in life is I've been a union organiser. I've been involved organising working people. And for me, a pivotal tool, absolutely central tool um, for that is um, is the Morning Star. Um, so we, we have the old adage, you know, and you know, educate, agitate, organize. Um, all of those things can be done um through the pages of the of the Morning Star. You know, there's things that I'm able to read, particularly in our features pages, not just the news pages, but the features pages. Now I'm able to to read, you know, you know, some really good Marxist theory, um, you know, good solid stuff um that talks about the circumstances that we find ourselves in and how it's entirely predictable if you read Marx, actually, um, but also gives us a guide to how we can move forward. So it's not just, well, Marx was right. We just have to look at history and blah, blah, and that's, that's all right now. I can go back to reading, you know, the newspaper or watching the Netflix or something. You know, this, it's, it's about providing stepping stones for us to be able to move forward because we are on a hill that's like that and we and we need those stepping stones to be put in place and and a key part of those stepping stones not the only thing because for me i think the ycl and i think the party um are critical parts of that step in their own right but all of those things together provide stability for those steps and 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 it provides a guide for us to be able to move in the direction. But so is the international communist movement as well. It put that, all of those things together are part of the. I think my days as a building worker is the the aggregate that that 
comes together that enables us to have firm foundations on which we're able to um to move forward that's that's the role of the the morning star alongside the party alongside the ycl alongside the international movement alongside the the radical trade union movements um those that's that's what we can do and and for me it's the historic role of the communist party that we've always been able to do we've always been that glue that's held that movement um together even when um some of our more um some of the more kind of elements within the left who um the infantile disorder if you like um that that seem to want to find division rather than find unity um even when they're playing their games where we have been the glue historically always been the thing that's attracted me to the politics of the communist party anyway from the from the 1980s when i was in um in the black country um and there's a massive car industry um at the time at british leyland uh, you know you know peugeot you know you had all of these car car firms around massive massive industry and the communist party was really strong within that to hold the movement together particularly against those elements that were really trying to to divide us against each other and so so for me the the paper is a critical tool for us to use um to agitate to educate and absolutely um to, to organize but it's a critical it's critical for me that we understand that this isn't just about theory on its own but it's also but it's in, you know, i can't under underline how important it is that we always thinking about how we turn theory into practice absolutely critical and that's what we can do so you know the the paper i think helps us to create the means by which we can turn theory information news into um agitation into practice um in workplaces and in communities yeah absolutely that's spot on I wish it was as easy as saying Marx was right and then somebody goes, oh, well, I guess so, and they're on board. But <laughs> we've certainly got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll give up that. that. That's it, Marx is right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's absolutely spot on. I mean, uh, like he says, it, it really plays that, that pivotal role and, you know, the the glue, uh, as you've said, the, the, the active role uh, from, you know, supporters of the star, uh, especially during its days of the daily worker and ensuring its survival uh, during its uh, ban uh, as well as uh, the the current contributions from uh, members of the Communist Party uh, and the Young Communist League as well, uh, you know it's it's pivotal to the the growing success uh, of the star and its continued livelihood. So you're absolutely spot on there. And I guess that, that also brings us on to sort of like your role in the Morning Star. You know, you've talked a lot about how uh, you said you you want more uh, involvement in it, especially from uh, younger comrades uh, and you know the continued growth and relations with uh, the international movement and other trade unions as well so just to see if you can give us a bit more of understanding and uh, your role and what you'd personally like to see uh, come out with the star well i mean there's a few things first firstly um we need more people to buy and read the newspaper and subscribe to the newspaper so anybody listening to this that um isn't uh, a subscriber um i'd be amazed but if you're not um, then this is the uh, you know what are you waiting for basically you know this is the time you, you really need to subscribe to the newspaper whether you get it delivered to your home or whether you get it online but buy the newspaper daily 
The second thing is that then go out and get somebody else to buy the paper daily. You know, they used to have this thing in the um, the liberation movements, um, particularly in um, the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. They used to have this thing called each one reach one. Um, and the idea was that everybody had a responsibility to go out and reach one at least one other person. Um, there's there's variations on that these days. There's my, my good friend Nigel Flanagan. He calls it a spider's web thing, so that each person has a responsibility to go out and you know kind of influence somebody else, um, and and then you spider web it out from there. And 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 I think that's what we need to do with the paper. So more people engage with the paper is one. But within that as well, one of the things that I've always said before I was um, employed by the paper and I was on the, the management committee for a few years, a good few years as well, was that we need um, a particular strength of the Morning Star is our anti-racism stance. But that it's but I don't think that's reflected in the um in the black community having access to our newspaper and, and reading it. Um, so a lot of the things that I'm really concerned about with the international stuff, and we certainly do with the home pages. And when I was on the home pages doing the parliamentary work, um that I, I know that we did this, was that I wanted to increase the base of um black people who were reading the paper. Now, you don't just do that by saying, well, we got a black editor, you know, um, on the international pages, that the stories need to speak to people. You know, you've got to, you know, those stories that I'm writing about, that all of us on the internet, on the home pages are, are writing about, on the culture pages, on the sports pages, that all of the things that we're writing about have to speak to people. And it's the same with the black community. I, I really want to divert some time to trying to work to increase the readership amongst the black community, because already I think the things that we cover are of interest. I don't think anybody covers the anti-racist movement um, like the Morning Star. Um, I mean, it's just way ahead. It's one of the things that um, attracted me to the paper in the first place, frankly. You know, was, uh, nobody else was talking about the fact that... Um, you know, regularly um, in the um, 1970s and uh, we were getting our houses regularly firebombed or, or that we were getting beaten up in the street or that we were getting stopped and searched by the police and sometimes beaten up by the police. You know, I mean, no, nobody else was talking about that stuff except the, except the Daily Work and except the Star. Um, if it ever did get talked about by other newspapers, it was that we were the problem. But we come at it from the problem. The state is the problem. The state is oppressing black people. It's oppressing all of us, exploiting all of us. So I, I want to try and find a way of um, developing that work. Um, I talked about it with other colleagues on the paper, and you know, it's a, it's a conversation we need to talk some more of. No, nobody's talking about the. Um, the sort of things that we talk about in terms of the links to the international links, so the the, the coverage that we have on India and Pakistan and on and and um, on the Caribbean, Latin America, particularly the often forgotten um, Brazil is the the largest black population outside of um, Africa by you know it's not even close. 
not even close to any nowhere else is close and those things don't get talked about and the fact that even though we're delighted and really supportive of lula um actually there's a big job to be done to deal with racism within brazil massive job and we'll be the only ones talking about that one of the things i want to do in the next year or so is go out to brazil and do some pieces around that in particular um but those are the sort of things that are going to attract um a wider readership um to the paper um and um i know everybody on the paper really wants to to do that so basic equation more people read the paper then the more money we'll be able to get to do stuff, um, which includes having more pages in the paper if we get more readers to the paper um, and we're able to, we, we might be able to employ more people um, as reporters to cover more stories. So it's a, you know, it's a kind of snowball thing. Um, so if people want to see a more successful paper, then we need more people to read it. Really all starts from that. Yeah, that's fantastic, Cormac. That's really great to hear. Uh, you know, like like we've sort of talked about, you know, the involvement in the star and contributions. I think certainly uh, getting more people from the BAME communities uh, contributing to the star and uh, the star producing, you know, further items for them to read, especially uh, like you've sort of highlighted, you know, uh, historically the the continued even today we still see it's not going away. The continued uh, discrimination against uh, these communities. Having having something that folk can read and you know they they see day to day, but it's never seemingly reported in uh, a justified light, uh, as we've said from the the state owned media uh, and the bourgeois uh, papers. Uh, but if they can see that uh, through the star that that we're providing what what's actually happening, the the continued discrimination that uh, faces young black men, young black women, uh, the the the, the systematic oppression. Uh, against single single income households uh, within these communities as well, you know it's it's going to get more more folk involved, not just within the contribution to the modern star, but in the class struggle, joining the the communist party and the young communist league. Hopefully, obviously that's that, that's what we'd love to see. So I think yeah, I think your goals are are they're ambitious, but certainly ones that I, I believe can be achieved and would be would be inspirational going forward. You know, one of the things I remember. Um... There's the same, it's attributed to Jesse Jackson. I don't know if he ever actually said it, but what he said was that nobody ever rose to a low expectation. So I, th- I think we have to have high expectations of ourselves as socialists, as communists. I mean, it's one of the things that's taught to, one of the first things that you're taught as a communist. Anyways, we have to have a particular um, you know, kind of way of carrying ourselves and of behaving um, in places. And I think that's absolutely right. But but I think that we have to all of those things that I've described about building the readership of the paper isn't some neutral thing, you know, isn't just for the sake of it so that we can get higher wages for the journalists, which by the way we need. Um, it's 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 also about how we can build the movement for socialism, how we can build the Communist Party, and how we can build um, the YCL. Um, because in the end, that's what we're what we're about is bringing about a transformation away from this capitalist society to a communist society, um, and we need to be um, 
you know, to do that, we need to attract more people to our ranks. I mean, the great news is, is both the Communist Party um, and the YCL are growing really, really impressively. But I, but um, I think there's still a job to be done. And I've said this to comrades in the party about um, widening the you know, who is actually joining the party. Um, more black people, more women, um, more LGBT, you know, I mean, just widening the group of people who are joining us and participating and taking leadership positions within the party. Um, So I think we've got a way to go. But what has really impressed me um, about the party, um, and I thought I knew some of it before I joined, but particularly since I've joined, I've found out and I've had conversations with um you know senior people within the party from right right the way across the party is is there the willingness the real willingness to try and expand who we are and expand our influence not just for the sake of it but because we can really make a difference absolutely spot on and i guess that, that brings us on a a really important point you know uh, in regards to the Morning Star and uh, how it operates, you know, what makes the Morning Star so different from these, you know, many other so-called socialist newspapers in terms of not only the coverage, uh, the involvement in it, uh, as well as the the distribution of it. Well, I think I think I think we do. You know, there's a there's a lot of um, socialist, um, you know, um, newspapers around. Um, they're almost entirely weekly or monthly. Um, we are daily. And, and and it is a bit of a miracle, actually, that we are able to um, produce this paper daily, <laughs> you know, this paper for peace and socialism daily in the English language spread across um, that gets read across the world. And I know it gets read across the world because sometimes if I, if I don't get it right in particular parts of the world, I'll get an, I'll get a snotty little thing back i'll also get a snotty message back from um some um some reactioners from across the world as well so somebody contacted me um has been in regular contact actually over the last few weeks over what i've been writing uh, about peru um because he, he refuses to think he refuses to accept my line that it was a coup <laughs> i'm saying well what was it what do you think it was well, Oh, the coup was being perpetrated by Castillo. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, this bit, so, and he's in Chile, or sorry, yeah, in Peru, rather. So, so there's people who do read us online across the world, and some of whom are looking to have an argument, and some of whom uh, um, are, are looking to for news, and that's great. So, what makes us different? Um, we come out every day and we're consistent. And we have our line and we will uh, and our line is clear for all to see. We don't hide it from anybody. We don't pretend we're neutral to the to the in this class war that we're in. Um, if you read the Morning Star, you know what you're getting. And also, by the way, I, I have to say, I mean, I'm, I'm not a trained journalist by any stretch. You know, it's not something I came into. Um, but we have. Um, and I've got I've got a lot to learn as a journalist, but I'll tell you what, what we have on the paper is that's an excellent journalist on there. So it's not just a little rag that some activists are putting out every every now and again. And that, by the way, for anybody, if anybody watching this says that's a dig at the trots or whatever, it's not. I've got 
plenty of other ways of being able to have a dig at the trots and that isn't one of them right that they've actually got some good writers as well um on their on their papers this this isn't a dig at them at all what we have on the morning side we have some excellent um, journalists who i'm learning from every day every single day about just the way of constructing a story and the way of making sure that um, we amplify the voice of people who wouldn't be heard otherwise. I think those things are gold dust and it's a miracle that we're able to come out every day. And I know that it pisses off um, the ruining class that we come out every day, every single day. And it's why they, that we never reach um, the, uh, you know, these paper reviews that they do. You know, we're a national newspaper. We're never mentioned in a bloody paper review. You know, we should be. We're a national newspaper. So I, I think where it's a miracle that we come out, I think, but it's not a miracle that's left to some God figure somewhere. It's because thousands upon thousands of working class people support the paper. Um, the trade union movement um, supports the paper. Um, and um, without them, it wouldn't come out. Simple as. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was some really striking imagery uh, imagery, sorry, right after the parasitic monarch Elizabeth died. Uh, every newspaper in Britain was running heartfelt stories of mourning uh, of the Queen. Shops, shop shelves uh, across Britain, you'd have these these walls of newspapers, uh, whether it be owned by the state or by the, the numerous amount of, uh, bourgeois rags that exist, all with photos of the Queen in mourning. And the striking image was the morning star, not bound down to talk about any of that, and it just had uh, the the highlighting of the continued Tory corruption and their ever-driving fight to restrict workers' rights and trade union bargaining. And that is the most pivotal thing about the start. It never falls uh, to any trend or anything happening in the media. It covers what needs to be covered. It covers what the what the workers need. And yeah, you you know, it doesn't matter what the star produces. You know, like you say, you're always going to have folk for across the globe. Uh, digging and digging and, and looking for an argument uh, even here on the show Inspector with some of the stuff we've talked in the past and with people have talked to the past logging through your, your emails and seeing you know silly little letters that have been put to you but as usual we neither print them nor reply to them uh, and that's what makes the star you know so strong it focuses in you know highlighting what the uh, what the workers are should be alerted to, and uh, what the what the workers contribute to the star as well. It's, it really makes it so important. And uh, I guess when we talk about contributions, then this brings us on to my next point. You know, there there are some contrasting contributions. Uh, you know, I myself, you know, I, I, both of us as Marxist Leninists, you know, there might be a contribution in one of the features that we don't agree with. But why do you think even having these uh, uh, contrasting ideas is so important? I, th I think um, I, I do think there's a limit to it. Um, so, um, for example, we, we don't have racists on. Um, so, you know, there's not a debate to be had with them. And there's not a debate to be had with um, sexists, you know, misogynists. Um, there's not a debate to be had with fascists. Um, we know where we stand. So, but if, if we want to have a debate about moving forward to a socialist society, I, th I think I think I think that's it's healthy that we can have a debate about those things. I think it'd be really odd, frankly, if everybody really agreed with everybody else on everything. Um, the the point is is that as um, as communists, we believe in 
um, in the Communist Party, we believe in democratic centralism. Um, so we'll we'll bring our arguments to the table. Um, we'll have those arguments. We'll have that debate. And then we'll agree a line, and we stick to it. Um, and 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 that's fine. So um, I think this thing about varying contributors to the paper. I, th I think we have to be honest and say there are limits around that. Um, so whereas some of the other national dailies might take a take a um, take lines from you know a fascist or whatever, um, we're not going to do that. We're not going to take um, a, a written piece from um, from the Tories, for example. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to um, look for a piece. You know, I'm I'm not going to fly out to Florida and try and get um, an interview with Bolsonaro, <laughs> you know, not doing it, right? Um, I'm not going to try and get an interview with Trump. You know, you know, there's people like that, you know, the far right, how, how does it take us forward for me to, to have an interview with them, right? Um, I'd be really interested in an interview with Lula, absolutely, right? I'd be really interested in... Um, in having an interview with the leadership in Cuba, you know, absolutely, you know, um, and for me, you know, around the Caribbean with my background, you know, that's so important to me. Now, I'm not saying you don't have um, opponent, you know, people from other parties in because the paper has had people who um, are from other parties. We have Green Party people. We've had Green Party people, I think, um, write for the paper. Um, we've had um, Ply Cymru. We've had um, the SNP, I think. But I think the point I'm making is, you know, there there is a limit to who I think is going to be welcomed as a contributor. Um, given that there's a there's a I know there is a lot of people already who want to write for the paper. Um, so why don't we give them space? Yeah, it's all it's always looking at uh, features. Uh... Uh, comments uh, like you says in regards to sort of like tactics and going forward you know one of the ones I've uh, I've seen in the past uh, was in relation to the YCL and you know it's uh, a, a reader's comment on the the use of the the black block uh, and the the red mass you know uh, oh, yeah. and what gives us the chance for this when it's we've got the, these ideas and people are you know asking why well it gives uh, readers who happen to be YCL members that chance to respond and say you know this is why we do it you know it's for our safety the safety of our more members great, and, and everything you know it's it, street theatre as well it, it looks good you know showing that you're a, a disciplined force and the working class can be be organised like that you know it's it always a striking image and it's something that we continuously get credited on especially from our, our European comrades who as well as they understand the importance of you know security uh, against state uh, violence and suppression. Uh, meanwhile, uh, other uh, softer uh, groups in Britain, you know, try to paint you as being uh, paranoid or uh, over radical. But uh, uh, you know, you know, there's a th thing about this, right? Because um, I mean, I, I think it's great, and it also um, when I started thinking about it, it kind of reminded me of um, the liberation movements actually, and what they went through. The most recent one being South Africa and many years ago in the 80s, so just before the first democratic elections, um, I, I was sent by the union that I was working for to go out to South Africa, and it was really in turmoil. Chris Hannay had just been murdered, um, and it was really on the verge of um, the elections not taking place and the whole thing falling to pieces with the far right 
taking control and all of that sort of stuff. And I was talking to, you know, talking to um, some trade unionists out there, um, public service unions, and we were talking about some of the things that we do for organising. You know, you put things on a notice board and somebody comes along and says, oh, yes, I can come to that meeting. And they were saying, and they, I, I remember somebody saying to us in, in one of these um, sessions that we had, and they said, ah, oh, yes, comrade, you see, if we put a notice on the notice board to say when the meeting was, then um, people would come along and they would kill us all in the meeting. So we have to think about security. And that kind of reminded me then about some of the things that a lot of the black community, both people of African and Asian descent, had to do, particularly during the 1950s in the kind of Windrush era, um, what people had to do for their own safety, because there was lots of people as well within the trade union movement, as well as employers and the National Front, as it was at the time, who were very anti um, black people trying to organize in any kind of way so you couldn't organize openly you had to treat security really seriously and if you didn't then you were going to end up either being killed or you were going to end up being beaten the shit out of frankly um so i i'm all all with you um for taking those measures that are gonna um not only provide you with some security but but as well, actually, it does look good as well. And there's no no harm in looking good when you're doing this work, I think. <laughs> yep. And then the applications in one inbox is certainly show that that folk like it. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on then, just to our last point then. Uh, so the Morning Star's uh, iconic uh, model is for peace and socialism. Uh, in your view, you know, how can we achieve socialism in Britain, especially uh, in regards with utilising the Morning Star as a driving force for this? Unity and solidarity, um, in brief. You know, I think we have to understand the importance of the unity and the importance of giving each other solidarity and not allowing people to divide us against each other. I think we're in a really kind of pivotal moment just now. Um, with this wave of strike action that's taking place. Um, it's not a, some kind of pre-revolutionary situation that we're in, but it's an opportunity to build um, class consciousness. It's an opportunity to build trade unionism, because actually, as well, the truth about trade unionism in this country has been on a massive decline. When I left school in 1979, there were um, 13 million trade unionists to TUC affiliated unions and um, there's now five point something you know so yeah there's been a massive massive decline so if we can re start to rebuild the movement then that would be good but you don't build a movement by just wishing for it you have to go out and um, you know take the steps that are necessary and provide the politics um, that underpin that building of the movement and I think um, that's what we need to do there's no short answers there's no easy answers and no silver bullet to any of this and we have to do the hard graft if we want to build socialism we have to do the hard graft of going out and convincing people who don't agree with us just now um some and some of those people will come to us through struggle and um, which means that we have to be there um actually supporting people to take the struggle in the first place and then supporting people when they're in struggle um, and being very visible and not being afraid to say that, yes, we are communists 
Um, and this is what we stand for. We're not, you know, we don't have to at this moment be an underground movement, you know. Um, might them, we've been in those situations in the past, but we don't have to do that right now. And I think we have a lot that we can be proud of and go out and talk about the things that we stand for um, and be proud of being communists. And I think if we do that, go out and have those conversations with people, go out and do the hard graft of organising, um, then I think we, we're we on that um, British road to socialism. Yeah, absolutely, comrade. Uh, 100% agree. Uh, all about the hard graft. No silk gloves no. uh, and the work for this revolution. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what, what else can be said in that. You've, you've touched that uh, absolutely perfectly. So I guess all that's left is uh, just to see if you've got any other uh, final talking points you want to discuss and, you know, whereabouts can we find uh, yourself in social media uh, in the Morning Star? Well, you can find me. Um, I'm on Twitter um, for now. Um, so Roger A M C K, you can get me on on that um, on Twitter. Um, uh, in the process of moving on to Mastodon and all of that sort of stuff, um, but um, but at the minute you can get me on Twitter, get me on Facebook, any of that, in, Instagram, on all of those um, things. Um, but the main place you can get me, people want to hook up, people want to contact me, my email. Um, at the morning star roger mckenzie at people's hyphen press.com um if you didn't get that from what i just said it's in the paper every day um as well so people want to get in touch delighted to to hear from you if you've got ideas for stories that you think we should be covering um international or otherwise um get in touch um and i'll if i if i'm not able to write about it myself i'll put you on to somebody else in the paper who can um, have a chat with you you know i mean this is our paper you know it's not my paper it's not our brilliant editor ben chaco's paper it's not anybody else's paper it's not even the the management committee's paper it's it's the it's the reader's paper it's all of our paper and it will only succeed if we're all you know, moving to make sure that we build the readership and that we um, are covering the sort of stories um, that help us to to build the movement. So, you know, get in touch with me, um, folks. You know, if you uh, if you can, if you've got ideas for stories, um, you know, really delighted to hear from them. But also challenge that I said earlier on, um, don't be afraid to write a feature piece yourself on something that you think is important. Um, you know, about 900 words is the, about the size of a feature. It might sound a lot, but it's not, right? And many of you are students and you've written loads more than that before. So, you know, just, you know, if you don't want to write that much, write what you can um, or talk to me, talk to some of the other journalists and we'll help you to put something together. No problem at all. Write a joint piece if you want. Um, but I'm really keen um, to um, that we start hearing much more the voice of YCL comrades and other comrades across um, the Communist Party as well. Um, and you know, we've got we've got to expand the readership of the paper, and we've got to expand the influence of the paper. If we do that, we you know we're really moving towards um, building something even more special than we've already got. Yeah, absolutely, comrade. Uh spot on again it's something we've continuously talked about through uh, this whole show is you know that continued involvement within the morning star more readers and more contributors especially so definitely emulate what you're saying there 
but yeah, thanks, comrade, so much for for taking the time out your busy schedule to to meet with me today. Uh, it's been an absolute Great. pleasure. Pleasure's been mine, honestly. It's been great. Been fantastic. So I'll definitely take your words aboard and I'll, I'll be making sure more and more folk will be contributing to the star. And, you know, all, all power to the podcast. You know, it's, it's great. Really well. <laughs> great initiative. Maybe, maybe one of the things you could do is write about the podcast. <laughs> I would, I would be the narcissism coming out there. <laughs> no, 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 I think it's great. You know, right? You know why? Why you do the podcast? It's great. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's another vehicle that we've got to try and reach people in our movement. You know, and so you know, really proud to have been asked. Thanks, thanks ever so much for for giving me the time. Really perfect, pleased. perfect comrade. Now see you later. All the best. Okay. Cheers. Thanks again, comrades, for tuning in to another episode of Spectre. In the description below, I'll be sure to include the Morning Star all its links from its social media to its subscriptions. I'll also include Roger's social media accounts as well as his email so you can get in contact with him if you're interested in contributing to the star. As we've discussed throughout the show, the Morning Star is pivotal for a revolutionary movement in Britain. It's vital that we get more and more people reading the star and contributing to it. The Morning Star is the voice of the working class, produced daily. Nothing like it exists here in Britain. It's vital that young people especially contribute and ensure the livelihood of this paper. We cannot take this voice for granted. The Morning Star is a fantastic tool for education, agitation and organising and it's something we must always look to use. In every single piece of work that we do, let us take into mind the very motto of the Morning Star for peace and socialism. Through every action we carry out, we can highlight our successes and our struggle within the Morning Star, showcasing to the workers of Britain the various works of action taking place by young communists and young socialist activists as well. Although we can't expect the Star to do all our heavy lifting, we have to be involved in the graft itself. As Stalin said, you cannot make a revolution with silk gloves. It's vital that young people play a massive role in the revolutionary movement. Our forefathers and our mothers played a vital role in ensuring the star's survival during its time as a daily worker. They risked imprisonment just trying to keep the paper alive and distribute it to the working class masses. Let us continue their legacy and their hard work into 2023 as we do the same. Let us strive to build a higher readership of the Morning Star and ensure a higher contribution to all its categories of knowledge. Fuck the Tories. Fuck the sun. Up the morning star. Up the workers. Who it now?